1, 8, and Revelation 7, 9. I'll be reading from the ESV version. You can find it in our few Bibles. Act 1, 8 is on page 909. And Revelation 7, 9 to 12 is found in page 1032, 1032. I'll give you a few moments to find that. <clears throat> okay, let's begin. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we'll go to Revelation 7, um, verses 9 to 12. That again, you can find that on page 12, 1032. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their face before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. May God bless the reading of his words. Today we, we will have our last sermon message from Pastor Wayne. Um, but before he comes, I'd like to give a brief introduction um, of him. Um, Pastor Wayne and his wife, Gail, both graduated from Gordon-Cornwell Theological Seminary. And upon graduation, Wayne and Gail served in a Tri-Valley Chinese Bible Church in Northern California. In 2007, Wayne and Gail, along with Abigail and Michelle, left suburban America and joined New Tribal's mission as a tribe church planters. In 2009, the family moved to the country of Padua, New Guinea. They began living with a tribal group called the BM people on a tiny volcanic island 150 kilometers off the northern coast. In the last nine years, they learned BM language and developed an alphabet in a written form of the language, taught the BM how to read and write, and presented the gospel for the first time to the BM people. Today, there is a strong and vibrant indigenous church on BM with tribal elders shepherding the church. They are now working to complete the New Testament translation of the, for the church. Wayne is also the director of Radius Asia. Radius is a training program for cultural missionaries with heavy emphasis on language and cu cultural acquisition or proficiency, found foundational Bible teaching, embracing suffering and hardship as tools in church planting and planting mature churches with indigenous people. Wayne will now be speaking to us on part three, one thing, God's relentless pursuit. Let's turn our time over to Wayne.
Hi, CBCGB Church family. It is my privilege uh, to be sharing with you guys this Sunday. Uh, we all know that this Sunday is Church's Missions Conference. Uh, my old church in college also had an annual missions conference. It was a long-standing tradition in the church. And every October, we would gather for a few weeks. The church would get missionary speakers. Um, and um, it was a time to talk about missions. It was also the time to uh, raise funds for the uh, mission, what we call the Great Commission Fund, every year. And, and you know, in, in, in the coming, few Sundays in my church uh, back then we would see the percentages of the missions financial pledge uh, weekly uh, on the church bulletin and we did this every year nobody ever questioned it it was just something that you do and, and it, it it was uh, it, it's not like we didn't understand why we all knew why we we all knew that missions was important we, we all um, agree that it is good and it, it, it is necessary and um, it was just something that that happened in my church every year and I'm sure that you guys could somehow relate to this uh, to my church experience but I want to honestly ask you guys this does missions or this annual missions conference ever just feel tired uh, we, we do this every year. We talk about it every year. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We talk about unreached people groups and, and we hear missionaries coming and give testimonies. And, 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 and sometimes, does it ever feel tired in that no matter what we do, there's always other missionaries coming to talk about there's another need this, you know, there and, and, and there's always another people group waiting to hear the gospel. And the missionaries, um, man, they, they seem to be the long-suffering people in the church. Uh, many of them being on the field for 10, 15, 20 years. And, and um, they, they look old and they show up at, on, your, on their furloughs, you know, dressed like they're from 1995. They still, they're still rocking iPhone 5s. They, they just seem like, you know, um, I mean, they're from back in the days. They're, they're this special group of long-suffering people. And uh, we repeat these mission conferences every year. We see pictures from the mission field and, and, and we read Matthew 28. We collect money. We pray for missionaries. And next year we wait and repeat and do the same thing. And my question is, guys, do, does it ever feel just tired? And guys, um, if this is how you guys feel, then guess how I feel. I feel pretty tired, too. You know, I speak at 10, 15 different mission conferences every year, pleading with churches to take the gospel to the nations. Uh, but like Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are always few. Speaking on missions is tiring. Sometimes listening to missions is tiring. And you know what? If this is how you and I feel, you know, we might feel a little tired talking about missions all the time. Then we have to finally ask, well, how does God feel? If we feel tired, then God must be infinitely more tired. As it has been almost 2,000 years since Jesus gave the Great Commission to us. If, my, if I tell my kids, I have two kids, they're teenagers now, 15 and 17. If I tell my kids to do something, and if they don't get it done in two minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, two days, two weeks, you know, I get frustrated, uh, depending on the situation. 
but God has been waiting for us for 2,000 years to take the gospel to the nations and he is still patiently waiting you know what God is not tired God is relentless in his pursuit of every nation every tribe every tongue so that they would all sing his praises God is not tired he is relentless in pursuing us if God wasn't relentless in pursuing us I'm not talking about us you know as uh, a people group I'm talking about us as individuals if we think back to the way we lived before before knowing Christ it was God's relentless pursuit of each and every one of us um, that we are standing here today as his children the title for this message is one thing God's relentless pursuit you and I have been part of this one thing and God is still pursuing that thing today. That one thing started in Genesis 12, uh, 1 to 3 in God's promise to Abraham. We're going we're gonna to take a, a quick overview of the Bible. We want to see this God, see this pursuit as uh, 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 not just a single pursuit um, in the moment in time, but God's overarching pursuit throughout history. Uh, this pursuit started in God's promise to Abraham. You could argue that it started back in Genesis 3, but, but it was in His promise to Abraham that this, this pursuit became clear. In Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, Abraham has been called the father of faith. And uh, he did not quite understand it at that time, but God's promise to Abraham that through you, this one person and your descendants, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's desire after the fall is to regather every nation, every tribe, every tongue uh, back, to, um, back to him so that they could sing of his praises forever. And, and, and we all know that this is an ongoing theme in the Old Testament where God using the Israelites was not just communicating His love, His patience, His plan to Israel, but through Israelites communicating Him, Himself to the nations. Now we're going to go into the New Testament and obviously you guys know that this one thing is God's pursuit for the nations. It is mission sunday so it's not hard to figure it out but a lot of times we jump right into matthew 28 in jesus great commission and, and a lot of times we lose sight of just how central um, that commitment is in um, in the gospels so so i want to start by reading matthew 26 31 to 35 this is often not a missions sunday passage but 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 let me read it first and we'll just kind of keep on going with, with with matthew until we get to the great commission in matthew 26 verse 31 here it says then jesus told them this very night you would all fall away on account of me for it is written i will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. 
Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Now, this passage is, is um, we, we, we all know this passage for that conversation that took place between Peter and Jesus. This is where Jesus predicted uh, Peter disowning him three times. And um, this is, you know, by all account, seem, you know, doesn't sound, doesn't look like a missions passage. If we, if I were to ask you to look at this passage and, and pick out maybe a sentence, maybe even half a sentence, and that seemed to be just, you know, it, it, it seemed to be just there, but, but we don't know why it's there. It seems like additional information or background information, or it, it just doesn't, doesn't get uh, preached on most of the time. Um, we will, I think many of us will look at verse 32, where Jesus said, After I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Uh, a lot of times, we, you know, this is a pretty small detail that we, you know, I mean, we talk about Peter, we talk about Jesus' prophecy about um, the shepherd um, being, um, you know, shepherd will, um, the sheep will scatter. But, but a lot of times, you know, we, we skip this, this little announcement um, that Jesus made about, hey, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Now, this is Jesus saying, uh, saying uh, these things before the cross. Uh, I would, um, we all know that at this point, um, the disciples did not understand what Jesus was about to do, to die on the cross, let alone the, um, the resurrection predicted here. So this is the, the pre-crucifixion um, Jesus saying, after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. This little, small, often overlooked geographical reference. Now let's jump to Matthew 28, verse 5 to 7. The angel said to the, said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. This is often an Easter Sunday passage. This is the angel's announcements of the resurrection. And again, I think you guys must have picked it up by now. There's another small, often overlooked geographical reference into from the angel to the woman about Jesus will go ahead of you, will go ahead of you into Galilee. And this is intertwined and connected with, we will all say, is the greatest, most important announcement of, um, in the history of mankind. He has risen from the dead. And then right away saying, this risen Savior is going ahead of you into Galilee. Now, uh, following this passage in Matthew 28, 8, So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Verse 9, Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Matthew 
28 verse 8 to 10. Now, this is a post-resurrection conversation between Jesus and the woman. Um, and Jesus said to them, again, I have risen and go and tell my disciples and not just tell them that I have, wrote, I, I have risen from the dead, but also tell them that they need to go to Galilee for there they will see me. Again, this little often overlooked geographical reference about Galilee. What is so important about Galilee that the pre-crucifixion Jesus, the angel, and the post-resurrection Jesus, all of them mention this geographical reference. Go to Galilee, go to Galilee. Let's jump to Matthew 28, 16. And then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted and it was in Galilee this place where Jesus spotlighted where the angel also spotlighted um, before that Jesus gave us a great commission Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Guys, Jesus spotlighted what he said here to the disciples and also to us prior to saying this. This wasn't something that Jesus just thought of on the spot. Jesus had, had been planning to give this commandment to the disciples and to us even before he went on the cross. Go to Galilee, go to Galilee. I have something important to give you. Guys, we see a great promise here in the Great Commission, isn't it? Jesus said, I will always be with you to the end of the age, to the end of the age. We all love Jesus' presence, God with us. Um, this is something that we all seek after, we enjoy. This is a great promise that we're all holding on to. But let's not forget that this promise is connected to a command. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And this commandment is connected to a declaration of authority. Jesus said, you know, all authority on, um, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, you know, catch what Jesus is saying here. Jesus isn't trying to have a casual conversation or, or, or check about our willingness. I, I, I mean, do, are you guys, do you guys want to get involved? Are you interested in this? No, Jesus is actually giving commands to us. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus said right before the ascension, uh, in Acts chapter 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. From the days of Abraham, all the way through the Old Testament to the New Testament, the pre-crucifixion Jesus, the angel on that resurrection Sunday, post-resurrection Jesus, pointing to Galilee and then Jesus gave the Great Commission and then right before Jesus ascended um, He left us with go to the ends of the earth Take what I accomplished on the cross and take it to all peoples 
Guys, this is God's one relentless pursuit, His pursuit of all nations. We see finally in Revelation 7, verse 9 to 12. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is where God stopped pursuing the nations. God's relentless pursuit continued throughout history. And in Revelation 7, it's where it stops. Why? Because it says a multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language finally gathered before the Lamb that was slain and gave God the praise that is due. Guys, until we get to this day, God is not going to stop pursuing it. Does it feel tired sometimes? Does it feel repetitive talking about missions and the needs of UUPGs you know across the ocean all the time yeah it does it does feel tired sometimes do we need to keep on going absolutely guys we don't we don't have a choice um, yesterday uh, or two days ago I, I share about our time in Papua New Guinea back in 2007 we left suburban California and our family uh, move into a tribal location um, in the South Pacific Ocean. Uh, I started sharing our testimony, our, our, our ministry, and, and now I have a little video just kind of to cap it off. I think um, I promise that we will uh, finish the, uh, the story uh, of how God planted His church amongst an um, unreached people group, uh, unreached tribal group this Sunday. So here's a quick video um, that, um, that shows how God finished planting his church. Now, 
that you guys uh, were able to catch 
at, at the end of the video uh, where the church actually uh, became indigenous and mature and independent. A lot of things that, that the missionaries did, we were teaching primarily in the first five years, but in the last five years, it was the tribal elders, the tribal believers, uh, tribal believers that uh, took the baton of teaching. Um, the missionaries did the baptizing in the beginning, but at the end, it was um, my daughters were baptized by a, a BM believer with um, with me standing next to him. I baptized my daughter with uh, the local believers. Um, the uh, five elders were appointed at the end of 2016, and our team left in 2017. And we left not because we wanted to leave. Uh, we left because, man, the church was mature. They were ready um, to uh, start their own, um, their own chapter. The story for missionaries um, was done. Uh, the story for them, for the BM church, had just begun. Uh, we have kept in close contact with the BM church. I still go back uh, every year uh, to visit them, but um, there is now a, a solid, thriving, growing church on this island in the South Pacific. And um, I, I know uh, with all my heart um, that when Revelation 7 comes, um, the BM people, the BM believers will be standing there next to you and I uh, worshiping God together so that's what we gave 10 years of our lives for for this unreached people group uh, in the south pacific when we made the decision to go to the mission field uh, we were pastoring a church in california in 2006 we had just bought a house my kids were three and one i think um, um, at that time two beautiful daughters and I remember when my second daughter was born, Michaela was born, uh, some parents at my church told me, hey, Pastor Wayne, that elementary school in your neighborhood, that's a blue ribbon school. That's a blue ribbon school. Now, apparently, I didn't know it at that time. It's, it's a recognition for uh, educational excellence. Uh, it goes without saying that my kids never uh, got um, the Blue Ribbon, I don't know if it's something they give out, or my kids never attended um, that Blue Ribbon Elementary School. Uh, we sold a house quickly after that, and we left um, suburban America. Uh, when we decided to go to um, Papua New Guinea, somebody said to me uh, directly um, that you have no right in making that decision for your kids and take them um, to the jungle. You have no right to make that decision for your kid. I remember thinking at that time um, that, man, when, when my parents decided to immigrate to North America, they didn't ask for my two cents either. Uh, why is it that, that um, you know, if you move to a good country, man, you just do it. But when you move to a lesser or, or, or a, a country that, that's, you know, with worse living condition, then suddenly you have no right in making that decision for your kids. You know, I remember thinking about that. But, you know what, guys, that, that was a heavy, heavy thing to say to, um, to a missionary, isn't it? And um, if we turn to John 20, verse 21, uh, this is where a lot of Bible scholars said uh, is the great commission uh, in the Gospel of John. Uh, words, the words may sound a little different, uh, but the message is the same. This is where Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God's relentless pursuit of you and I resulted in Him sending His own Son to die on the cross for us. That's God's pursuit of you and I so that we could become His children again. So when somebody said to me, you have no right, Wayne, to make that decision for your kids and move your family to Papua New Guinea, how was I to respond? Guys, if we think about our faith, if we think about, you know, if we, if we peel away the outside layers of this thing called Christianity, if we take away church tradition or theological disagreements, if we, if we start peeling away at the very center you and I will find a loving father who did not withhold his own beloved son in heaven, but for our sake gave his only son to us and nailed him to the cross just so that we could receive eternal life. Guys, this is at the very core of our faith. And because of this, as much as you know, I want a good life for my kids, I want to give my kids that blue ribbon. I cannot say to God, God, I am willing to do this, 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 and that for you, but as long as, as soon as it interferes with, with my plan for education, or as long as it interferes with um, their safety, then God, I got to take that option off the table. I can't do that for you. I cannot say that to our God. The ultimate purpose for a mission conference is not to raise money for missionary support. I will even venture out to say that ultimately it is not about calling and to see that who's willing to go to Africa. Mission conference ultimately, guys, is a time for us to reflect on our deepest convictions about life, about our plans, our plans for our kids, what matters to us when no one is looking. Mission conferences call us into a close examination of our deepest convictions. The biggest issue for Asian American churches when it comes to missions is not the lack of knowledge or the lack of finance. Um, it's not the lack of not understanding what the Bible says. The biggest issue for us guys, it, it's not, you know, I, I'm not even talking about missions right now. I'm talking about everything, faith. Um, the, our biggest issue as Asian Americans is this deeply ingrained immigrant mentality in our pursuit of the American dream. I came from an immigrant family. My parents are believers, but when I told my parents that I wanted to go into full-time ministry after college, they were deeply disappointed. They were deeply disappointed because Ultimately, that's not why they made the decision to immigrate to America. Um, they immigrate to America just so that I would have a good life. Um, you may be touched, guys, to see um, our ministry video. Uh, but how many of you guys would swap your life with mine? How many of you guys would let your parent, uh, would let your kids um, follow God? Um, in the same way, even if it means uh, for them to go to the ends of the earth. I remember when I was uh, serving in my church in California, um, I was the, uh, uh, the, the youth pastor at that time. And, and one time a, um, a mother, uh, a youth parent came up to me 
And uh, he said, Wayne, no, we're so lucky. Our church is so lucky to have you as our, as our pastor. Uh, I think she meant it largely because I was bilingual. I could communicate with the youth parents. I could communicate with the youth. I think that was the primary reason. But, but this, this uh, youth uh, parent came up to me and said, Wayne, our church is so lucky to have you. Um, I took no joy at all in what she said. Um, and the reason being, I knew this family, I knew this mother, I knew the parents. I know that there is no way that they will ever let their kids go to seminary and serve uh, God full time. So she said that, you know, so, so her words uh, brought me absolutely no joy at all because she would not let her kids do the thing that she was complimenting me on. Guys, immigrants by definition come to settle in pursuit of a better life. Immigrants are consumed by the pursuit of the American dream. Immigrants are meant to settle and to stay, not to go to the ends of the earth. Guys, my, I, I get it. I get the um, immigrant mentality because I came from an immigrant family. My older daughter um, just took her first SAT a few weeks ago. I care about her academics, but I want to leave her with more than just a blue ribbon in a good college on a resume. Jesus said in John 12, verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Guys, we are citizens of heaven. We pursue different things, not things of this world. God's pursuit for the nations has never stopped. God has been relentless in His pursuit for your life, for my life, and also His pursuit for every nation, every tribe, every language, every tongue to get to know Him and to have eternal life in Him. Guys, this is my prayer for you guys in this missions conference that each and every one of us will enter into a real and honest conversation with God and examine our deepest held convictions, convictions about your citizenship. Are you a citizen of the kingdom? Or are you holding on to that immigrant mentality? Convictions about the American dream and blue ribbons. How much do those things matter to you? convictions about how you plan to live your life or what you are communicating to your kids about what's important. My prayer is that God will open your eyes so that you will see what's eternal and what's temporal, what's of Him and what's of this world. Examine your deepest held convictions and then open up your palm. Whatever is of Him Keep them, keep those convictions, but whatever is of this world, let go. Guys, that's the first step toward missions. Let us join God in His pursuit of the nations until He comes back again. May He get all the glory, all the praise. Amen.